It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our web address. ClarkDeals.com is where you go to save money. Coming up in 20 minutes, normally we'd hit you with a clark Rageous moment, somebody who's done something that crosses the line. But today... We're going to take an entirely different viewpoint, the opposite of a Clark Rage, where people risk their own lives to save others, and they made it happen. It's really great about the human spirit and what we, in a moment of crisis, real crisis, not fake crisis, real crisis, what we can do for each other. And later... I know it's summer, and I know that you're going to think I'm crazy, but, you know, some of the retail stores already have out some Christmas stuff. It's true. I'm going to talk about something you need to know about saving money on shopping for this Christmas. It's true. In the middle of summer, I'm going to talk about that, but with reason, and it'll make sense to you in just a half hour. Something that's never made sense to me is how the banks of this country have been above the laws of the land. That the banks of this country engaged in criminal acts, criminal behavior last decade, caused the Great Recession, massive hardship for millions of Americans, extreme unemployment for so many people. We're still licking our wounds and rebuilding from that Nobody ever went to jail. Nobody ever suffered. They're still at their country clubs. They're still flying in their private jets. They're still living large with their $100 million pay packages. And now the banks are upset that based on a new regulation from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau that they're going to be subject to the laws of the land when they cheat customers. I don't know if you know this, but this this agency, most people aren't familiar with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. It's a great group. If you have a problem with the bank, with your mortgage company, with your credit card company, you can go to consumerfinance.gov and you can file a complaint. And then by law, within 30 days, whoever it is who you allege is cheating you, and many times... You know, consumers not always right. But before, there was no place to go. Now there is. You file your complaint, and the bank's got to hop to it and deal with it. It's great. But there's another thing, too. A bank, up till yesterday, could knowingly break the law and cheat you as a consumer and get away with it because... You were outlawed from taking the bank to court that ripped you off or cheated you or broke the law doing it. It was just life's tough because they're the bank and they shower all the politicians in Washington with money and their dirty money bought off the politicians and allowed the bank to cheat, cheat, cheat and get away with it every single day. So now 
under the new rule, you will have a right to your day in court and to give banks a chance to adjust to having to follow the laws of the United States, they have a year to get their act together and then from that point forward, they face the threat of you coming after them when they cheat you, they lie to you, they steal from you, they break the law. It's how it should have been already. Now, there's a lot of buzz in Washington that so many congressmen and senators have been bought off by the dirty money from the banks that the Congress is going to overturn this and you're not going to have a right to your day in court. They'll even use all kinds of crummy spend. You know, Washington's so much about spend. And they'll try to turn this into something about greeting lawyers trying to rip off the banks. <laughs> what a joke. Because the reality is the joke's been on you and me. And the bankers, the banksters, have gotten away with it. I'll say one other thing about the banks. The giant monster mega banks, the, the four that account for half of banking in the country, and those are Chase, Bank of America, Citibank, and Wells Fargo. These four banks, there's already amnesia in Washington about the wholesale destruction they caused to the United States last decade and destabilized the world. The banks are already doing their jujitsu to try not to have meaningful reserves. And the world is already accepting, the world is already accepting that when one of these banks gets in trouble, they're still going to be bailed out. The taxpayers are going to be on the hook the next time because the banks are so powerful in Washington that they're not being required to put enough reserves aside that if they mess up and get into trouble, that it won't cause what's known as contagion. There was an example of this that, that naturally would make no news in the United States, but there were a series of banks that just failed in Italy and who bailed them out? The taxpayers. Because there was too much worry about contagion. Because the banks hadn't done what they should have done and didn't have enough reserves to deal with the next whatever happens. And it just stinks, stinks, stinks that the politicos in D.C. bow down to these bank chieftains instead of standing up for America and the American people. I guess I'm unhappy about that. Dwayne is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Dwayne. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. you well, got to talk heard... about uh, coming up with money to do some kind of repairs. Tell me about that if you could. Yeah, unfortunately, my house is getting a little old, and... You know, there's some repairs that are needed. So I was just wondering, I've, I've looked into refinancing to take out the equity. Um, I have about $80,000. You know, people that I've talked to said I'd get away with taking out 50000 and not, you know, be penalized. But in order to do that, I'd have to change my 4.0% interest rate 
to a 4.5%. So I was just wondering if that was worth changing, going up in the percentage of the interest. So you need you need 50 grand to do the job at your house? No, not necessarily. How much do um, you really need to do the repairs? Um, probably like 10 to 15. Oh, oh. Don't even think about refining that mortgage then. Okay. Let's talk the best alternative there is. I guess I was told to take everything out and then use what I need to um, make the repairs and then invest the rest of it. That's what I was advised to do. Okay, so I'm sorry. I don't know if that's a friend of yours who told you that, but that's not good advice. Okay. So for the amount of money you need and the fact you already have a mortgage, don't upset anything with that. What would make the most sense for you to do is to take out either a home equity line or a home equity loan. Okay. Likely a home equity loan. If you need 10 grand, let's say it's 10 grand, you could probably handle um, paying that back in five years, I would guess. Pay back two grand a year plus the interest. Okay. It would be a hundred and something a month. You think you could handle that or no? Yeah. Because you can borrow that, like credit unions, the rates have gone up some, but you can borrow that money under like a five-year home equity, what's known as home equity loan, where you get a fixed rate for the five years. You can borrow that right now at about four and a quarter percent. Okay. So you could keep your existing mortgage just as it is at four percent. Borrow only the amount of money you need to do the work on your home. And you'd still be able to borrow that money at less than what you're told a refi would be. Plus, a refi has so many expenses for closing that loan. Yeah, all the fees. Right. So avoid all that. Leave it be with that first mortgage. And take out what's basically a low-cost second mortgage. A home equity loan. Are you a member of a credit union yet, Dwayne? Yeah, a few of them. Oh, you got so you got a few to talk to. Yes. And just get a real solid feel for what you truly need to borrow. You only want to do this one time. Okay. And if it's ten, if it's twelve, if it's fifteen, if it's eight, whatever amount of money it is. Although usually, for a home equity loan, the credit unions want you to borrow ten grand is the minimum. Okay. And you just do that loan and then pay it back as agreed. Now, if you needed more time, let's say you needed to borrow more money, you needed more time to pay it back, the rate steps up. And typically on a home equity home equity loan, every five years you add to the length of the loan steps up the rate about half a point. Okay. So if you needed to borrow the money for 10 years, then you go from like four and a quarter maybe to four and three quarters. So that's why it's so much to your advantage if you can see your way to pay it back in five years. You're borrowing below the target interest rate you'd be looking at doing a refi. You'd keep your existing money at the great rate it's already at, and then you get the repairs done. Okay. But there's no reason for you to borrow more money than you actually need for the repairs. That's going backwards in your life. And don't go near that. Christy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Christy. Hi. 
This is exciting. Well, it's great to have you here, Christy. And what's most exciting is you have a daughter headed to college. Yes, we're very excited about that. What's she going to study? Well, we think biology, but you know how that goes. They get up there, and as long as she comes out with a degree that comes up with money, I'm happy. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Well, how can I be of help with her college adventure? Yeah, well, here's uh, here's my dilemma. You know, I, when she turned 16, I got her, opened her up a bank account, and we got her a debit card, primarily so she wouldn't have to go inside when she bought gas. And in the fall, I'm sending her about six hours away to a big state university, and I wanted to get her a credit card for a couple of reasons. Number one, I wanted to teach her about responsible credit. She doesn't need, she won't, she'll have money in her bank account, so she's not going to need to borrow money. But my concern is, you know, will she need that protection that credit cards provide with identity theft and, and that sort of thing? And there's, I looked online, there's tons of student credit cards, but there's so many different deals and, and, and structures and how that works. Okay, here's what know. I'd actually like you to start with. With her being 18, 19, yeah. I would like you to make her an authorized user on one of your cards. Well, would that help her? Here's my second question. When she leaves college, she's going to want to rent an apartment because we don't want her moving back home. And so the idea is, can she? will that help her build her own credit? Or Usually, yes, and, and this would be temporary. I'd want you to be an authorized, I want her to be an authorized user on one of your cards only till her 21st birthday. And as long as her authorized user status is reported to the credit bureau, when she turns 21, she's fully eligible for all the college student credit cards she wants. And you will have helped her establish her credit identity and credit score with most issuers by making her an authorized user. But the best thing that's happened in the last couple of years is now when you make a college student authorized user... Many of the credit card companies now will let you set a tight limit lower than your limit on that card that she would have. Okay. Uh, often what parents will pick is 500 or $1,000. Yeah. Is a limit. And that way it's like credit with training wheels. You're lending your good credit history and your good credit name to her. You help her build up her, her standing and then... When she has that 21st birthday, one of the things she does on that birthday or within a couple of weeks is apply for those student cards, and she'll be all good and have a solid credit record when she finishes school. Hope she has fun there. In place of a Clark rage, this is a Clark praise. I am so excited to share with you. If you've not heard this story, it is fantastic. A woman was at the beach in Florida. And she noticed her sons were struggling out from shore. They had gotten stuck in a rip current. And she went out to try to save her kids. Other relatives of hers went out. And then they all got caught in the rip current, the riptide, and they were all in danger of dying. I mean, there were people who were going to drown. Who knows if all nine would have or what would have happened. And then people on shore seeing this and seeing this panic out in the water instantly banded together, strangers banded together and put together a human chain 
where one led to another to another, 80 people in all formed this human chain, and first they saved the children, passing them person to person to person as they held this human chain in this rough sea with these strong currents and undertows. And eventually, every last one of the people, all nine, were saved by their fellow beachgoers. I mean, that's the great thing, the great spirit of humanity. You don't just watch. You act. And you act together to make things better. And in this case, potentially nine lives saved by people just banding together and bravely working to save others. I love it. Thanks so much for joining us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our web address. Clarkdeals.com is where you go to save money. Our deal deal shoppers, what, what's the term you like for that, Joel? Deal diggers. Deal diggers. Deal diggers are digging out the bargains for you each and every day. And, you know, my thing, I want you to get the deals. I want you to get the bargains. And so it's so weird that here we are in the middle of summer, and I'm going to talk about Christmas. What in the world is wrong with me? Okay, here's why. Last Christmas... UPS lost a fortune with online orders that flooded their terminals at certain times during the Christmas shopping season. And, I mean, it cost them big money. And then, if you remember the year before, a lot of deliveries didn't make it to people on Christmas Day just because the amount of online shopping clustered in very tight windows overwhelms the ability of the delivery companies to get the packages to you. So UPS is doing something that I think is really smart. They're going to have peak and off-peak pricing for package delivery during Christmas because there are certain patterns with shopping and generally from like the 4th of December for this year's calendar right around the 4th of December till around oh probably the 17th people don't do a lot of shopping they do a lot around Black Friday week you know Thanksgiving week they do a lot a lot the week before Christmas leading up to Christmas Eve But there's this time period before that, a roughly two-week period, where people kind of go into slow mode. They're not going to the stores, they're not going online and shopping a whole lot. So this year, because of the concept of peak and off-peak pricing, the retailers are going to reward us by having days that we get a better deal if we shop on those days because they're going to have to pay more to send us a package with the supposedly free shipping 
And as I've said before, there's nothing free about free shipping. And then there's going to be the days when they're going to offer the deals. So if you think about the calendar and you get your shopping done the week of the 4th or the week of the 11th of December, and don't worry about this, I'm going to talk about this again in the fall, but the point is what's important, is that behind the scenes, as we now do roughly close to 10% of our shopping online, it's created this massive amount of movement of packages in a very short window in conjunction with the Christmas season. So if you will allow yourself to be manipulated so your wallet will be smiling, you'll get your act together earlier rather than later to do your online shopping. There will always be that portion of people that I think is somewhere, depending on whose guesstimate you believe, where a quarter to a half of people do substantially most of their Christmas shopping in that week before Christmas. Let them pay extra. Don't you pay extra. You let the calendar be your friend. Now, the retailers online aren't going to be saying, hey, shop now. You're going to save us money on shipping to you. Well, they're going to do it with what really matters to you as a customer. They're going to do it with price signaling. And you're going to see a lot more emphasis on deals during the window when they don't have to pay the shipping surcharges. The advantage for you is twofold. You're going to save money and you greatly increase the odds that the gifts are actually going to be there in time for Christmas. When you wait, procrastinators lose. When you wait, procrastination costs. You're going to pay more for things and you're going to have more unreliable delivery service. So this is one of those things where everybody wins all the way around if this year you'll modify your patterns and when you do your shopping. I know, I know, it's weird to talk about Christmas now, but just remember when you walk into a store and you see the first Christmas tree displays in the next two weeks, you'll know I didn't jump the gun too much. Or maybe we all did. Gregory's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Gregory. Hello. How are you today? Oh, not too bad, sir. So, Gregory, how you're doing is a very important question when you ask me the question you're going to ask me. Uh, right. I was wondering what uh, you thought about getting some type of life insurance connected to uh, paying off a mortgage. Mortgage life insurance may be just about the worst ripoff insurance that exists. Okay. Let me tell you what they do. They charge a premium typically 10 times what it would cost for you to buy your own life insurance policy. But not only does it cost maybe 10 times more, but the joke is, you are paying premiums for a policy that names the bank as the beneficiary of the proceeds of the money. 
they tout it and pitch it as you are making sure that you're giving peace of mind to your loved ones, to your survivors, that they're not going to have to worry about a mortgage. I mean, that's how they pitch it, right? Right. But what they're actually doing is they're conning you because the bank doesn't want their loan tied up in probate. They don't want to be sitting there in suspended animation where they can't do anything about it, but they're not getting money for the loan as the family works things out or whatever. So they con people into paying the premiums and outrageous premiums as they are to protect the financial interests of the bank in the mortgage. All right. So let me tell you, there's only one case where anyone should ever even remotely consider buying it. And that's if you can't answer the question when I asked how you're doing and you can't say okay. If your health is such that you're you're uninsurable for a life insurance policy that you would want to get, then it's junk insurance, but at least you have insurance that would make sure your survivors didn't have to worry about paying a mortgage. But well, you're, I had just I just gone uh, <clears throat> had a double bypass, and I'm 64 years old, so I didn't know whether or not that was going to exclude me. And, from, and it may or may not, and the only way you know and what it may do is not exclude you, but it may cause you to be rated, which means you're charged a higher premium for having your own insurance than you would otherwise. But, okay. But you, you, as your first option always, you want to have your own insurance. By the way, did everything go okay with that bypass? Oh, absolutely. I feel like a million dollars now. That's great. And, you know, the bypasses are so common now that I don't know that that is a factor that would eliminate you from being covered by insurance. Okay. So uh, getting a quote on having generally what you want is what's known as a term life insurance policy. How many years do you have left on, is it specifically for the mortgage or is it to provide for the well-being of a family member? It's, uh, well, what I have is some uh, disabled children. I think well, I'd like them to have that the house after I'm gone so they have some place to live. Well, that is, you were, you were such a good man to do that. So who is going to take care of these disabled children when you're no longer with us? Um, an older daughter. All right. So what I would tend to recommend is that you would want to have your older daughter take out a policy on your life um, because she has an insurable need. And that way, she even if you pay the premium, she's the owner of the policy, and that eliminates right. tax issues for her on receiving that money at the time of your passing. Okay. Because the real purpose of the money is not involved with the house. The real purpose of the money is to take care of the disabled children. Yes. And she's taking on that responsibility, so having her own a policy on your life would be almost certainly the best path okay and if you did find out trying to buy a policy a term policy that you are uninsurable because of your pre-existing medical condition that would be a case where even though the stuff really is smelly insurance you might hold your nose and buy the mortgage life insurance 
All right. But as completely a last option, last resort. And continued good health to you, Gregory. Chad is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Chad. Hi, Clark. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How, how, how are you doing? I'm having a wonderful day, thank you. And you are a generous soul. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a question. Um, I recently had a pretty good pay increase through a job, uh, job change. I'd like to do more with charitable contributions, but uh, it's just my experience in the past where they kind of hound you all the time. They uh, call you or they start sending you uh, pieces of information in the mail. No propaganda. Uh, yeah. So yeah. is there a way to do it secretly, but still claim the tax advantages? What a wonderful question. And this goes under the category of no good deed goes unpunished. Because if you give money once ever to a charity, they're in your life over and over again. So under the IRS rules, if you give a charity $250 or more, they've got to know who you are and they have to acknowledge it with a charitable contribution letter in order for it to be deductible by you on your taxes. On the other hand, if you give a charity $249, and you could do it to as many charities as you want, $249 or less, you can give money basically anonymously. The best way to do it where they can't bother you at all is send them a money order for whatever amount you want to give them. You keep the copy of, you know, the receipt copy of it, and they don't have your address, they don't have your email address, they don't have your phone number, and you've done the good deed you want to do, and you won't be hassled by them moving forward. Okay. How, how large a contributions were you thinking of making? Uh, well, I'd like to do 500 to several organizations. So if... If you did instead, if you resolved that you were going to do uh, 249 this year and 249 next year, you'd get them basically the $500. You'd stay below the $250 limit, and so you'd be able to deduct it from your taxes, and you wouldn't have to have that letter from them. You okay. just have to have your proof that you made the donation. All right, that sounds good. And I, I hope that people who work in charitable organizations will hear what you have said and realize that there are people who are actually getting alienated from giving because of the solicitations. I gave money to a charity that on the same day, I got two solicitations from that charity, not one, two on the same day trying to get me to give more money. That doesn't feel good, right? No. Feels like they're trying to squeeze all the juice out of the orange or all the blood from a turnip, whatever that expression means. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget. 
giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Lloyd is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lloyd. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Clark. Thank you, and I appreciate uh, you and the team taking my call here. Well, how may I serve you? Well, it's been a while since I booked on Priceline, booked a hotel on Priceline, and I'm hearing more and more hotels are starting to tack on an undisclosed mandatory resort fee. And um, uh, so I guess here here are my questions. Uh, First is, is there any way to know in advance if uh, if they're going to charge you that fee before you lock in on the Priceline bid? Yes. And there is. Oh, yeah, good. so um, both Priceline and Hotwire now disclose the resort fee dollars and cents. And this is something that is a real gripe of mine because twice in the last year I have booked hotels where the resort fee was higher than what I was paying Priceline for the room. Right. So now, like, I'm looking at Hotwire right now. Vegas is the city that, that like, every place now pretty much charges a resort fee. And I'm mm-hmm. looking at a five-star, and it says, I'm looking at a night next week, $156. This hotel charges guests a resort fee of $32.48 per room per night. And okay. if you look at Priceline, uh, most all Priceline bookings now are not done as bids. They're done now as express deals. Bidding isn't a big part of Priceline anymore. And if uh-huh. you look at express deals, you'll see that for wherever you're going, if there's a resort fee, they'll tell you that before you buy it. And it will be in the breakdown of the price, and it'll show you for as many nights as you're there. Great. I hadn't gotten that far yet. I just looked at the terms of, uh, of an agreement, and they said that there was generally, uh, if there was a resort, it would be 10 to $40, but it, uh, I didn't actually start to book a hotel. I wanted to call you before I went any further. The highest resort fee I think I've paid in the last few years was $55 a night. Okay, great. That's a lot of money, isn't it? Well, it is if you're expecting the room to be $55, and then they tack that much on top of it. I had a funny one recently where my son and I were uh, in Houston, and there was one hotel that I was really interested in, but the parking fee was $60 a night, which I didn't know any hotel in Houston could have a $60 a night parking fee. Wow. And I booked another hotel that parking was free, and the room was $59. (laughs) So it's like I stayed, the parking space would have been $1 higher than our whole room was where we ended up staying. And it was funny, my son ended up absolutely loving where we stayed. So it worked out great all the way around, and I had the free parking. I don't like paying for parking at all, ever. Thanks for tuning in to the Clark Howard Show today. And if you're like me, you like deals. We got our deal diggers hard at work at ClarkDeals.com that help you save money day in and day out. We work around the clock 
to find the best deals for your wallet, and there are a variety of consumer items, check out ClarkDeals.com.